Hey, I tell you what, I don't think it's any exaggeration to say that we totally rocked Scarborough. Oh, yeah, definitely. It was good. It was good. I had a great time. It was really nice, really well done conference. I wasn't expecting to uh, to enjoy it quite so much because I haven't done any speaking in the UK, as I said then, for like two and a half years. Can you believe that? Yeah, yeah I know. You did good there, especially without slides. Yeah, well, we might talk about that in a minute. But, mm-hmm. um, yeah, but it was, yeah, so it was odd. So I, I was actually really, quite, I was quite nervous. Yeah, but, uh, no, it was a really good talk. Really enjoyed it. Like I said at the time, I think, um, the not having slides made me focus far more on what you were saying. It was good. The first time I did it was we at, um, Smashing Conference last year. Yeah. And, I wasn't supposed to do a talk there either. <laughs> what happened? Well, no, I was I was doing workshops. Yeah, I was always booked to do workshops, and then a, a few weeks before the event, Vitaly uh, got on the email to say they had somebody drop out. So you know, would I speak? Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, and they had this lame idea of making it like the mystery speaker. So you know, sort of that. Um, and I was on on the second day, so. The first day I sat there and I watched Jeremy Keith and Stephen Hay do a couple of really, really good talks, but they covered most of the same ground as, as what I was going to do. That's not crap. typical. Crap. Um, and so then I thought, Christ, what am I going to do? I thought, I can't, can't rock up and do the keynote on the Tuesday morning and, you know, go over the same kind of stuff. You know, people are going to be asleep. So. I thought I've got I've got to do a new talk. I've got you know I've got to write a brand new talk now. This is like mo- Monday afternoon. Um, so I went back to the hotel and wrote the outline. Well, I had a bit of a kip first, and then I wrote the outline uh, of what I thought this talk was. I, mean, I thought, oh, look, you've got forty five minutes. It can't be that hard to <laughs> think of three things, hopefully connected, and talk about one of those for 15 minutes. So, you know, that's what I did. And then freestyled it. Yeah. And then there's, there's no, there's no time whatsoever to, to do any slides for that. In fact, I think it was, uh, Oliver from IA who, who I think he's done quite a few talks now without slides. Basically. Yeah. He's the first person I heard of doing it. Yeah. He said, just, you know, just don't, just don't do it. So I did it and it was fine. And I think it was the best talk I've done for ages. So when this one came along, and I didn't really, because, you know, again, I wasn't supposed to really do it. It was, I was really standing in for, for Aral Balkan. Mm-hmm. Um, who I think was originally on the, on the ticket. Um, so I didn't really have time to, you know, put a brand new talk together again, you know, with slides. So hence the commando. Yeah. Impressive. A braver man than me. But no, I tell you what, it's not that brave, to be honest, because I had a shitload of notes. <laughs> Yeah, well, I still prefer the slides, so I've got something to look at, and then it takes all focus off of me. Well, I th- I used to I, I use slides as a, as a prompt often, mm. so you know I'll I'll be looking at you know what the next slide coming up is in the keynote presenter display. Yeah, and that's going to give me, you know, it's going to give me notice of of what the next kind of bit of the topic's going to be. Mm-hmm. Um, so without that, that's the only thing with the commando thing. I have what I did. You, I don't, hopefully you couldn't see it from the audience, but I'd still got about 60 slides. Yeah. But 
they were blank on the audience side, and on my side, I could just see the, the like the uh, the notes area in Keynote. Yeah, yeah. No, it's uh, I, I the talk I gave in Scarborough was very like my slides never normally have that much content on them. They are prompt. Scarborough's a little different because it needed quite a lot of content on them. But I still I still need slides there to to tell me what I'm doing next. It was yeah, it was fun. It was fun. I enjoyed it. I liked your talk because it it wasn't the wasn't the thing I thought that you were going to talk about. You know, it wasn't what I'd have kind of oh, Harris going to talk about. You know, CSS, CSS for a change. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, I was a bit um, a bit nervous. They asked me to do a, a less technical talk, um, and I said yes to it because I've been a type nerd since forever. But um, yeah, I, I don't know if I enjoyed giving that talk because. I can get really into CSS stuff because it's what I do day in, day out, and I feel like I can talk convincingly and a little more confidently about it. Uh, the type stuff was, you know, quite a change for me, so I'm still not sure I gave it the best talk I could have done. It's nice to talk about something different, but uh, I'm just worried that I didn't do a very good job of it. No, I thought you did a great job, to be honest. I mean, I've heard lots of people talk about type over the years, and, you know, some better than others. And I thought that yours was one of the best ones, actually. Oh, thank you very much. It's just a, a confidence thing, I think, because it's not something I have spoken about before. It felt vastly different. But, but we fun. were watching from the back because we arrived. No, actually, no, we were watching from the back most of the day. Mm-hmm. Um, we were we were watching yours, um, Sue and I, and kind of. Um, no, I did watch your a bit most of yours from the back actually because I went up and got changed. Yeah, yeah you got suited and booted, put, didn't you? Put my whistle on, yeah, exactly. What you got? <laughs> yeah, make an effort. No, I, I, I didn't. <laughs> I looked, I looked terrible next to you. And uh, so we were, we, Sue and I were stood at the back at sort of the balcony bit, looking down. Um, and you were making all of these type points, and it's it's that stuff, isn't it? It's it's when you when you first start to notice bad typography and the incorrect, you know, hyphens or you know, dashes or apostrophes or something like that you can't unsee it yeah it's a curse and we were we were sort of nodding to each other because um you know particularly alex and i you know we're often in the car together and you know we're looking at the backs of vans or shop fronts or something they're the worst and going oh god no no you know yeah i got I got a friend who um, is a fantastic designer and he's even worse than me. He spots bad kerning, he spots everything. And I went through a, a phase about a year ago of taking photos of everything I saw and just texting them to him because he gets really angry. He's a really sort of unstable kind of guy. And I just, all the bad kerning, all the improperly set type, everything, I just text photos of it to him. And um yeah, but it really rubbed off on me because I'm just as bad as him now. <laughs> well, we went for a walk the following day after we'd left you. You know, you were going back to the station, yeah. And we we're walking along the seafront, and all of the donut stores, <laughs> all of the donut stands, were all spelling donut D O and then hyphen nuts. Uh, you'd expect better from those guys. Well, I mean, you know, how can you get the spelling of donuts wrong? <laughs> because they're not dough nuts. They're not nuts made of dough, are they? It's, donuts. It's- if it's the only thing you sell, you'd hope they'd be able to spell it correctly. But it was everywhere. It wasn't just on, you know, one stall. There was, it seems to be a consensus in Scarborough as to that's how you spell donuts. Yeah, well, I wonder how you spell, I wonder if they spell bites the same, because you got offered some donut bites, didn't you? 
they were weird little things. Yeah, they're like the center from the from the donut. Yeah, <laughs> the little bit donut. of a donut. But I did, I, I did. It's lovely. I did. I was going to say I wasn't going to have it because I was lose, trying to lose weight. No, I'm not going to have the donut <laughs> bit. Right, and then we're sitting there eating a great big fried breakfast with two sausages and fried eggs. Anyway, by the way, but I did take photographs of. I haven't sent them to you yet. I, I sent photographs of the uh, of the donut spelling. Brilliant. So you can put that into another talk. No charge. <laughs> oh, cheers. Helping out with content. <laughs> but no, we we do this all the time. You know, we Alex and I are sitting in the car just groaning. And Sue's like, what are you, what, what, what are you groaning at? Cause she, she, doesn't, she, she doesn't see it. Yeah, a lot of people don't. People, well, it is weird. It is weird of me to be like how I am. But, um, yeah, everywhere I go, I notice everything and I have to comment on it. And most of my friends just look at me like there's something completely wrong with me. But yeah, you can't stop noticing that stuff. It's horrible. Oh, da, 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 da. Vans, vans and lorry signage are like my pet hate really i think i'm going to start a tumblr blog i've not done one before but i'm going to start a tumblr blog that just has kind of bad van signage on it do you know who have the worst van signage sign writers i've never understood how sign writers have the worst signs it's like they use every font in their collection like off of a disc they got free with lotus notes or something full of every single font that microsoft ever made they use all of them with flames every single color drop shadows on the side of a transit terrible i don't understand how bloody sign writers stay in business half the time because they've got one job to do (laughs) jimmy you had one job to do that afternoon it was to you know and you got the wrong apostrophe yeah yeah it's bizarre i don't know maybe it's like um you know tattoo artists uh spell things wrong because the client was insistent that i want exactly this maybe sign writers do the same a client goes with a misspelled company name and the sign writer refuses to uh yeah, just won't budge. Oh, this is what you gave me, this is what you're getting. Perhaps it's that. You're driving up the A1 to Scarborough, as we were, and, you know, I'm following vans in the rain, and the crap that people put on the back of vans. <laughs> it's, that, it's that everything has to be there, and it's not only, you know, just kind of M&C Jones Builders, not that, you know... There's probably is a company called MNC. I think I've used a company called MNC Jones Builders at some point. Who I'm um, sure were fantastic and have a beautiful van. I, I, do you know what? I think their vans are awesome. But, you know, every, every bit of crap that you could possibly need is, you know, their address is on there. Always um, a hotmail address. The, yep. The, a fax number. <laughs> who's, who's going to write that down? Especially when they're driving. That's what I don't get. When people are driving. The it's like the mobile is. equivalent of a flipping compliment slip, right? <laughs> <laughs> the back of a van. All you need, I'm going to, I'm going to start my own sign writing business, my own van signage business. And you know, all people are going to, I'm just going to have three options, right? You're just going to have a phone number. Oh, the other one is people that put telephone and then a number. What other yeah. flipping sort of number is it going to be? Completely redundant. Yeah. Ugh. Or websites. And, and people that still, still put on the back of a van, they waste that space by putting HTTP colon slash slash. <laughs> I love that. But they're the kind of people who type that when they have to put a, you know, something into, well, they'll probably type it straight into the Google search box anyway. They're the people who probably type the HTTP. But yeah, backs of vans. And you also mentioned, uh, haulage companies. They have haulage some of the worst, uh, terrible. Yeah. the worst type on the road. Well, haulage company logos seem to fall into, um, I think three main categories. Um, they have to be, the logos have to be made up of the initials of the company. That's one thing. 
Definitely. Um, and if you can join the two letters together yeah, they in some that, yeah. kind of terrible ligature, then that's extra bonus points, right? Mm-hmm. Um, there has to be a world or a, some form of map. Yeah, a globe with, uh, yeah, just to show that we definitely do things on planet Earth. Yep. And the other thing, an arrow. Right. Arrows, all caps and obliques to try to show speed. This is slanted italics. Look how fast we are. If you can get the company initials in italics joined together with a bad ligature on some arrows that go around a globe, man, you just, you dominate the industry. Yeah, that's probably, you probably get done for uh, monopolizing the industry there, but that's too good. What, what more, what more is there? There's nothing more you need. I would, for all my haulage needs, I would go with that company with that logo. Terrible. I, I followed, a, I followed a van today. It had a QR code on the back. Ah, oh, I think I saw you tweet this. That's brilliant. Because <laughs> Anna has a bit of a beef about QR codes for some reason. I mean, I know, maybe one bitter at some point. And, so I just photographed it. But who puts it? Why would you have a QR code on the back of your van? The, the one place where it's definitely illegal to be using a phone is on the road. Don't put a QR code on a vehicle. It's ridiculous. There's a, there's a QR code. Um, so obviously I've, I've just left Sky, but they're having loads of work done. There's a big building site. And uh, they've got a QR code on the fence of the building site, which says, um, scan this to get real-time updates of what's going on on the building site. Now, I'm already at the building site, looking in real time at the building site. But someone in marketing somewhere decided, that, oh, well, let's give them a QR code to scan so that they can see what's going on, where they already are on a phone, instead of using your eyes to look through the fence. I, I just, QR codes are just... I'm with Anna on this one. They're completely pointless. Or well, most of the time, they're used pointlessly. I haven't ever... I don't think, I don't think I'd know how to scan one. Do you just do you have to have an app to scan the QR code? As far as I'm aware, I, I had to install an app uh, so when what? I first got my iPhone. I don't know if they've got a I'm on iOS five still, so I don't know if they've got something in there now that does it you know out of the box, but such a such effort. It's What's quicker, the bloody point of that? Quicker to go to a URL in whatever browser you use than it is to install an app, take a photo of a QR code, and wait for that to forward you to a URL anyway. It's it's they're completely pointless. Well, funny enough, all that was on the back of this van today was a QR code and the website address, which was kind of redundant, I suppose. <laughs> yeah. And it had yeah. to have, underneath the QR code, it actually have scan with your smartphone written underneath it. So, you know, brilliant. So all you need on the back of a van, we should get to talk about something else in a minute. All, <laughs> I'm just on a rant about bloody vans. Um, all you need is like the name of the company, what you do, Maybe a phone number, but who's going to write a phone number down? And then it should just be, you don't even need to put follow. There should just be a Twitter app. There should be a Twitter ID. And maybe, you know, search for some search keywords. Because, you know, if I was having a van, which I'm not going to have, you know, I'd, I'd, I'd just search web design or something like that. And yeah. that would be it. Yeah. The, um, yeah, the, um, the thing about saying what you do, that's another one that I've noticed a lot on, uh, on vans. They've got the company name. It doesn't tell me a thing about what they do. I don't care what your business is. I care what your business does. That's when I see quite a lot. And another one, another one I've seen loads recently is people have, uh, the, the Twitter T, like the icon. Yeah. Which they haven't used for two years. Yeah. But then they don't have any Twitter username with it or any URL. 
So people just put the Twitter icon, presumably to imply that if you search hard enough on Twitter, you will find us. But, uh, yeah, oh, we do need to talk about something else before I go and go on a complete <laughs> rampage. We should do a talk, actually. In fact, I've been thinking about doing a talk just about van signage and how, to, you know, and not being negative, but, you know, maybe sharing some suggestions for improving it, that kind of thing. But yeah. I'm going to start, <laughs> this is a bit weird. I'm going to start hanging out at truck stops. I thought I'd seen you somewhere before. I'm going to start hanging out at motorway service stations, <laughs> um, taking pictures of the backs of trucks. Because that's yeah. not weird. It's not suspicious at all. <clears throat> um, so you did this typography talk, which was very different from what you normally do. Mm-hmm. And you know, apart from thinking that you didn't do it so well, which you did, so shut up. Um, <laughs> Do you not kind of worry sometimes about getting stereotyped as a, as a one trick pony? It's like, ah, oh, Leslie, we need somebody to talk about CSS architecture. Let's get that Roberts bloke. Uh, I think a lot of the problem is that, um, I am a one trick pony. So I think that's already happened. But, um, but yeah, the only thing I've ever spoken about so far has been big CSS or CSS architecture. Um, it was quite nice to write the talk on something different, but I just didn't feel confident giving it. Um, but yeah, there's a definite worry of that, and I think it's already happened to an extent. I am that CSS guy, because I can't really do anything else. But you obviously can do something else. What's your background? Where, where, where were you before Sky? Um, in a nutshell, I thought I was going to be a graphic designer, realised I was terrible at you know traditional design, strayed into uh, sort of web design, then more into front-end development. So just before Sky, I was working in a tiny team of there was four of us working for a, uh, a venture capitalist in Leeds. And before that, it was a traditional, you know, very, you know, well, yeah, I guess a traditional agency. Um, so from an agency background. But you went down the, what, art school route? Uh, no, well, how do you mean? Like, uh, education wise? Yeah. I don't really have one. Um, I left, I, I did A levels. Um, I don't actually know what I got for my A-level results, because I'd already got a job as a web developer by this point. So, um, yeah, I, I, I just, as a hobby, sort of took up web development, just because it's quite cool. Uh, yes, I've been doing it since I was like 16. Um, but straight into, straight into work. I didn't do any traditional kind of education around it. I got A-level religious studies. Oh, brilliant. I was, I was asked to do A-level RE. I was asked to do it, but uh, I declined. This was back in Jesus' time, obviously, so, you know, I had first end. <laughs> it was a yeah. long time ago, mate. Um, no, I mean, I, I don't think that, you know, I mean, who, who, who working on the web really has actually been taught, you know, unless you're coming out of college in, like, in the last five years or something, I don't know. Um, yeah. Well, I, think, I think that most people are just making it up as they go along, and that's actually one of the best things about, about what we do. Yeah. Is the space for people to, you know, make it up as they go along, have an yeah. interest in something. You know, like you've obviously got an interest in typography because you spoke about it very well. Um, and then you can have a platform for talking about that and teaching it to people that know less than you do. Let's face yeah. it. Well, I, no one's ever really been taught web design, like you say, unless they're coming out of college and university in the last couple of years. We're all self-taught, but, um, yeah, yeah. So I've had no education. Well, I've had no education around it. 
So you've had no education, right? And now you're on the dole. Uh, yes. Dossa. <laughs> um, because you've left Sky. How, how was your first week off? It's been, it's been admin. It's just been replying to email. I hate email so much and I get so much of it. Um, so yeah, I've had, this is my first full week of, uh, not working for Sky and I've spent it all replying to email. What was the weirdest thing? Did you wake up on Monday morning in a panic thinking I'm going to be late for work? Well, I woke up thinking I don't want to get up late. Um, I I could have laid in bed until 11, but I still thought, no, I've got to pretend like I'm doing proper work. So I still get out of bed quite early. Um, It was bizarre to not have to walk to the same office that I'd walked for the last two and a half, three years. I don't think it's sunk in yet. I wonder how long it will take. Yeah, well, as soon as I look at my bank account, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> but you had lots of, I mean, you, you'd, you'd already set up wizardry as a, as a business, yeah? Uh, yeah, I've got everything set up. Um, so there's like, you know, what company registration? You mentioned, was it crunch you used? Yes, crunch. I don't know how much we're allowed to big them up considering you've probably got a sponsor already, but, um, I don't mind. I don't care. <laughs> I use crunch, uh, and they are incredible. They're, uh, they're so good. Um, they're based in Brighton and it's, um, just a team of accountants who, there's some guy built a, a company around, um, creating a marketplace for taking small, uh, small businesses online to a series or a, like a, a group of accountants. Uh, and you just work through this website, you put all your numbers in and there are accountants uh, on their side who just work on your books all year and you just pay a monthly, uh, monthly subscription. So I just got in touch with them. They set up my company for me. They registered it. They sorted out my, um, flat rate, uh, VAT scheme. But I haven't had to do anything yet. It's brilliant. Yeah, that's they're, great. They're really are they, good. Are they going to look after your bookkeeping kind of going forward or have you got to find like a regular accountant now? No, they do everything. I just, um, they've got a really, really in-depth, um, sort of admin panel and you put in all your expenses, your, uh, inflows and outflows, your, um, salaries, absolutely everything. And it just keeps a running total of how much you'll owe the taxman at the end of the year. Um, it does absolutely everything. You just pay them a monthly fee and they sort everything out. They'll even do your, um, self-assessment stuff on your behalf. Um, it's, it's really impressive. I haven't even, I've barely touched it yet either. I haven't actually done anything through it. But we'll yeah, put a link really, in. Really we'll put a link in the show notes in case anybody's interested. I mean, it's not. Gonna, I think it's UK based. Yes, it is. Yeah, probably. But yeah, but yeah, they're really good. So that was everything taken care of. Because I mean, when we started umpteen years ago, you know, we found an accountant and he helped us, you know, do the whole kind of company's house thing. Um, I know you can buy companies off the shelf and just change the name, but that didn't seem like. Uh, seemed like the right thing to do so we you know we set it up all up at the beginning and then you know we did our own vat um you know we found our own accountants and all that kind of stuff so it's it's, it's a right royal pain in the ass to be honest yeah i can imagine it is there's probably a lot of merit in doing that though um i, I still feel quite clueless about all the stuff i should probably know lots about you know, because someone else has handled it for me i kind of feel a little bit in the dark and that's that's entirely my own fault if i'd have set it up myself i'd probably feel a little more uh clued up trust me you don't get any more you don't feel any less clueless <laughs> <I'm still> like, <laughs> 16 years later i'm still going to say <laughs> what is that again 
She's going, that's the profit and loss. I'm going, oh, okay. Yeah, I don't Why is that one stuff. red? I don't understand this stuff. Yeah, no, that's the scary thing. Because <laughs> actually, you know, we sort of do a podcast about business, but actually I'm, I'm fairly hopeless, particularly when it comes to the financial side. I'm, 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 I'm not your wizard. So, um, you know, we kind of muddle by. Yeah, we try, we I, try to get better, but we, we, mostly we just muddle along. Yeah. I think, um, it depends if you're a real sort of hardline, you know, I've got some targets that I need to hit this year. I guess you don't really need to worry that much as long as you're, you know, keeping yourself alive and making sure you're paying the right amount of tax. I guess you can afford to take a bit of a laid back approach about it. Well, it's, we're sort of thinking a bit more seriously because, you know, we've got an employee now and, you know, that focuses the mind a little bit. And, you know, we worked out a few months ago, actually, what our kind of minimum sales needed to be every month. Um, we haven't done anything with that information yet. I mean, I suppose what we should have done was we should have kind of like gone, ah, well, we're over this month. You know, we've, we, we've gone over our target and, you know, that's good. Um, we can take the foot off the gas a little bit or, you know, oh, bloody hell, you know, we only did half, so we need to work harder. Yeah. Um, and I suppose, you know, if you've got somebody that's focused on sales and businessy stuff, then that's what they do. But, you know, that's not what I do because I like to make websites. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I, I guess, yeah, you've, you've got a very different company to what I've got in that there are three of you now, I guess. There's just me. I just need to keep me alive. I don't have to worry about anyone else. Which is yeah. Nice. Yeah. I mean, unless you work with freelancers and, you know, subcontractors and stuff, I suppose, which, you know, that might happen down the road. It probably will do, to be honest. Yeah. Um, yeah, I've just been very, very laid back about it all so far. Probably too laid back. But yeah. Oh, well, we'll talk about it again in six months. <laughs> What, yeah, what's happened? Can you uh, can you be on a podcast if you're homeless? I don't know, actually. Well, I see. Battery battery powered microphone. I don't know. You, you can always you can always <laughs> come and stay in our garage, mate. Oh, nice one. I'll come and clear some flirts in exchange for food. We haven't got a garage, but I just made that bit up to sound generous. <laughs> I tell you what, we should do. Speaking of the business side of things, should we talk about a couple of sponsors, and then we can have a narrow bit some more. Yeah, let's do it. Um, right, sponsor this week. It's uh, it's Ghost Lab. Cross-browser and mobile testing taken to the next level. Well, that's, that's what I normally say, right, when I talk about Ghost Lab. That's mm-hmm. their kind of stock phrase um, that I normally use. But do you know what? It's actually not really Ghost Lab this week. Um, but it is. It's another fantastic product from the clever people that brought us Ghost Lab. But this time, it's not a software product. It's hardware. Go on, um, what is it? It's a... <laughs> You make it sound as wow! I'm so excited. Like, I'm, I'm dying to know. It's like George Stevie. It's um, it's a portable device lab. That's what it is. A portable device lab. I'm not kidding. Right? This, this, it looks amazing. Um, now I'm sure you know the problem. One of the problems with responsive design, right? It's it's design um, testing and uh, device testing. You've got all these devices. Uh, you've got multiple smartphones, uh, tablets, all scattered around your desk. And, you know, you're testing, so you have to pick one up, then you have to put one down to check how your design's looking across all the different screens. And you've got to keep them all powered, for one thing. You've got to keep them powered up. So that means that you've got a whole mass of cables everywhere. I've just I've just opened the site up, and I can see what you're talking about. This thing's really cool. Mm. So, I mean, I'm such a – you haven't seen my desk, but I'm, I'm such a kind of neato that – I, I just hate mess. Then, 
and you know more about this than me, if you work in a team and you've got to share those testing devices with other people, then, or, you know, maybe you need to take your, take the rig to a client site for, for a demo. Things can get really messy. Yeah. Oh, you should have seen the state of the device lab at Sky. Oh, I'd love to see. I'd love to see what that looks like. (laughs) If you're a clean freak, you would not. Oh, okay. I remember they set one up at uh, Accenture when I was working there and, uh, Anyway, best not talk about that. So this is where <laughs> this is where uh, Vanamco's device lab comes in. It's a stand that's small enough to sit on your desk, and it can hold an average of four or seven devices, phones, tablets, depending on the size. And you attach the devices with Velcro, so they stay securely in place in the stand. And that's that's pretty important because the stand can be used in either portrait or landscape orientation. Um, so you, you know, you test your devices in one orientation and then you swing the whole case round and test it in the other. It's brilliant. That is really clever. And then cable management is all built in. So that takes care of the spaghetti, which is pretty cool. Helps me. Now, if it might sound a bit odd that a company like Benamco, people that we know bring us software, uh, why would they start making hardware? Well, it turns out that Andy, um, at Vanamco, he started off as a product designer, so he's, he's used to making hardware. Oh, right. And this thing looks really good. Device Lab, it looks great on a desk, but great next to a computer, so you're not going to want to keep it, you know, tucked away. Now, I haven't seen, just to be clear, I haven't seen this thing in the flesh yet. I haven't, I've only seen it in pictures. Um, but I'm going to get one. Yeah, I'm not surprised. That looks really cool. The price, the price is uh, 149 US dollars plus a bit of shipping, I imagine. Or for 20 dollars more, you can get one uh, that includes uh, a license for Ghost Lab as well. So that's 169 dollars, um, and that's a, that's a nice touch because Ghost Lab's normally 49 bucks on its own, right? Yeah, that's so a pretty good deal. Go to devicelab.vanamco.com and buy yourself a device lab. Devices not included. Not testing animals. Orphanage <laughs> device given. It, it, no, it, it looks cool, that, doesn't it? No, it looks really good. I think probably the, the best thing about it is you don't have to keep picking each device up either. It, you know, you don't have to keep picking up, putting down. They're all right there for you. Yeah. No, They're I really nice. like that. I really like that. Right, I want to talk about email, but before we, I do that, because I know we both got a beef with email. <laughs> certainly this Here week. we do indeed. Um... I want to squeeze in, squeeze in another sponsor because I don't normally do two in a week, but I'm going to do it this week because the next sponsor is us. It's who? Believe that it's us. It's you and me. Yeah, yeah. Don't worry. I'm not like buying anything. It's not some supreme generosity. I'm just plugging some shit that we're doing. (laughs) I know what's coming. I know what's coming. Right. So, um, our friends. What are you doing? What's that noise? Sorry, I'm just readjusting. Myself, nothing, nothing, nothing weird. <laughs> right, our friends at Smashing Mag, um, they're running a series of new one-day workshops in Europe over the coming months. There are some amazing teachers teaching amazing topics in some fantastic cities. So in London in November, that's this month, uh, Dan Rubin, he's going to be hosting a visual design essentials for non-designers day. That sounds like a lot of fun. You should send your developers to that. In December in Berlin, our lovely friend Rachel Andrew, she's teaching shipping your product, how to supercharge a launch, presumably talking about perch a lot, which 
is fabulous. And Remy Sharp, he's teaching Node.js, whatever the hell that is. <laughs> no bloody idea. Anyway, you don't want to go to a toy for developers. Exactly. Do you know what? You don't want to go to those ones. You don't, you don't want to go to those. What you want to do is you want to go to Zurich in December because sounds nice. Harry and I and, uh, and Vitaly from Smashing Magazine, we're hosting three workshops on the 9th and 10th of December in Zurich. Oh, yes, we are. I tell you what, have you noticed how much Vitaly looks like Gru from Despicable Me? I'm going to have to Google that. He does. Does he? He does. It's, it's, yeah, he's spin image. Anyway, while you Google that, right? I'm hosting my responsive design, my CSS3 for responsive design workshop. That's the one that sold out, uh, in June this year and it sold out at handheld. So I'm going to teach you. It's true, isn't it? I, I'm not commenting. <laughs> he looks just like him. I love um, it, Harley. I'm going to be teaching, uh, using display table properties, uh, to rearrange content, uh, creating cross browser layouts with Flexbox, improving type, your thing, uh, with multiple column layouts, uh, background images, uh, border images, and using transformations and transitions. So you learn a lot, I think, and you'll walk away with a whole full set of resources and example files too. That's on the 10th of December in Zurich. And the cost for that is 398 of your finest euros. Um, also on that day, you're teaching planning and building a big front end. I am, yes. What's that all about? Um, as it says on the tin, really. Um, one thing I've found over the last three years is the more time you spend planning a build, the easier it goes, the quicker it is to actually build it, you know, for real. So it's going to cover, uh, the optimal CSS architecture, uh, some changes in, you know, schools of thought, kind of breaking some previous habits we may have had to, um, you have to change our way of thinking to suit 21st century development a little better. Uh, using things like SAS and naming conventions, um, just to get you to a point at which you can comfortably just keep scaling and growing up a front end. Uh, so there'll be some hands-on actually building some stuff um, based around this, what we'll learn about CSS architecture. Um, so it's all about getting developers to a point where they can be self-sufficient and, and you've got to a point where you can keep growing and growing and growing the front end indefinitely. Um, it's, it's, it doesn't take a long time to get, we, it's, like I say, well, doable in a day, um, hence the one-day workshop. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, I find it really interesting, really useful stuff to know, and it just gets to this real simple starting point where you can then go off and build gigantic products that will keep growing and growing. Uh, so yeah, it's a typical CSS wizardry fair, that isn't it? Were you ever a microformats fan? Uh, not a fan. Uh, aware of them, used them, but I've not really touched them in uh, quite a while. It's quite bad, isn't it? Mm. No, because I, I I've been sort of you know keen on naming conventions for ages, long time, and. I went through a, a phase of, in fact, I still do it a lot of the time, building things where I'll base things on a microformat standard. You know, if I'm, if I'm marking up, let's say, um, a list of news entries, then I'm going to use the H entry, H atom 
um, micro format. And, you know, I won't stick to it. You know, sometimes I'll extend it. Um, and I, you know, if I need new classes, but I'll, I'll base things on that one thing rather than just coming up with, you know, a brand div, new one, div class of newsfeed or something like that, you know? Yeah. Sensible way of working. Right. Yeah. So to book in either of our workshops, um, don't worry about anybody else's. Honestly, don't go there. <laughs> These are just the two that you want. Don't even worry about Vitaly's, right? Yeah. He's going to be full of his little minions. Um, <laughs> it's true. He looks just like him. I discovered this the other day when I was watching Despicable Me. I'm thinking, <laughs> no, I was, I was, I was watching Despicable Me too. And I'm scratching my head going, who does that remind me of? What a cameo from Vitaly there. Who does that remind me of? Anyway, he's going to, he's going to really get, annoyed. um, yeah, don't bother going to anybody else's. Come to ours. Um, that's the 10th of December in the lovely Zurich. Um, and to book your place, go to shop dot smashingmagazine.com slash workshops and uh, and book your seat. Have you been to Zurich before? Uh a very, very long time ago, um, and this is yeah, it's about twenty-five years ago. Uh Sue and I, I was working for a company and they uh they bought Swiss products. So I went over to Switzerland for a week's worth of training and part of that was like there was weekend in the middle and Sue and I went to Zurich and we were staying in this really terrible, crappy little hotel and we were so poor that we couldn't afford to go out and have any dinner or anything. So we went and found like a little shop around the corner and bought some cheese um, and literally just went back to the hotel and ate the cheese with the free pen knife that the company had given me. Well, that sounds perfect. So that was the only, the only time I've ever been to Zurich. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I've never been. Although I won't get to stay there very long, because I'm meant to be speaking in Amsterdam the day after the workshop, so I won't get to hang around for very long at all. Well, yeah, I'd quite like to go to Amsterdam, actually, because I want to go to Rotterdam. There's a barbershop, apparently, that, I've, that somebody sent me a link to the other day. It's this amazing-looking barbershop in Rotterdam. I think I've seen this. They've got YouTube videos of stuff, haven't they? Yeah, it's amazing. They've got videos on the site. It looks and incredible. I, I could do with a, chip, a, tr- a trim. So I'm not going to go all the way to Holland just for a haircut, obviously, but, you know... <laughs> Next there. time you're over there, pop in. Exactly. Anyway, so you've you've had a you've had a dossy week, right? Because you've not been working. <laughs> yeah, I've got fifty one more of them lined up. I <laughs> I was supposed to have a week off this week, um, but we weren't going to go away anyway. We kind of kicked it off with that weekend after the Scarpa gig, and we were supposed to have this this week off. Now I did have I had a client meeting. We've got a lovely new client that we're going to start working with um, next week, um, and the only time that they could meet us for uh, kind of a pre-work kickoff, because uh, they partly live in France, right? So the only time that they could meet us was Tuesday. So that was that was gone. You know, I didn't mind doing that though, because that was, the, you know, they're lovely people, and we're going to, you know, nice to meet them. Mm-hmm. That was one day out of it. But the rest of the week, I was supposed to take off, and I was supposed to, you know, I thought, right, we're not going to go away anywhere, because you know you can't always afford to go and stay in a you know little hotel. That was, you know, we'll stay at home. We'll we'll stay at home, and we'll just go places during the during the day. Have mm-hmm. little day trips out, you know, go to Anglesey or, you know, go to Ludlow. We like it there. And did you manage to do that? Well, do you know, really not, no. I mean, we did we go said to... you wouldn't. We did go to places, but do you know what? I was... Although we'd kind of primed it, primed people that we were going to go away, and we're not working on anything right now this week that, you know, there were, there were no... Um, 
no fires that needed to be put out. You know, nobody was going to have an emergency. Right? Yeah. There was yeah. no client stuff where they're kind of, they'd be screaming for something, right? Um, or so we thought. Um, but it just didn't turn out that way because I tell you what, what got in the way. Go on. S- stress from email. <sighs> you know, st- I'm, you know, I'm getting at it. Even today, right? I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm driving home thinking, you know, right, that was a lovely day. And, uh, you know, I'm looking forward to talking to you tonight and doing this podcast. And, you know, bing, there's an email that I have to deal with, you know, a question or something. And it's like, th- and this has happened all week. And I'm not complaining about talking to clients because, you know, half of what you do, I've said this a lot on the podcast, half of what you do is making people happy. And half of it is actually, you know, making stuff. So, you know, that's fine. But it does get to a point where you think, Christ, can I not have like a day off? The worst one is, um, so my last week has been spent entirely working on email. The worst one is when you, you reply to a load of email and you sit back and it's like, you know, it's nine o'clock and you sit back, you're ready to you know, enjoy your evening and your phone, like you say, bing. And it's like, oh, I've just replied to like 25 emails and three more have just come in like in the next, in five minutes time. And, uh, yeah, they never seem to go away, do they? Well, I've got a bit of a routine because, you know, I'm not like a lot of people that generally drowns in email. You know, I, I can look at my inbox and if there's more than two or three things in it, then it's a, it's a bad day. All right. That's um, good. Well, because what I do is I do kind of, it's, it's not quite inbox zero methodology or getting things done, but I, I don't do, I don't sit and do email. I process email. So I'll look through the inbox and I'll do one of, one of three things. Usually I'll either just delete it. And I'd, I'd probably say about 80% of my email just gets deleted right away. What, um, what puts it in the delete category? What qualifies it for deletion? Um, if you don't mind my asking. No, 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 no. It's a good question. Not, not crappy inquiries. Cause I, 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 I reply to the crappiest ones of those. Um, conversations often get deleted, um, when somebody is, uh, you know, it's a long kind of running email thread where, you know, you say to somebody, right, I'll meet you at two o'clock on Tuesday. And then they write back and they go, yeah, okay. See you at two o'clock as if it's some, it's like, you didn't need to send that, you know, because so that, that gets deleted a lot of the time. Uh, CCs get deleted, um, usually immediately. I'll talk about CCing in a minute. Um, because, you know, I don't need, I don't want to know. <laughs> I don't want to know. Um, that, they tend to be the major ones. So I, I delete a lot. Um, if there's something that needs to be scheduled, I will either put it into a, a task list. Um, and I don't have a particularly good scientific method for this. I just use the reminders app on, on the Mac. Mm-hmm. Um, or it gets put into a calendar or if I don't know what to do with it right now, or it needs a little bit of further thought, then I'll, I actually have one folder. I just have like a do folder, which I try to clear out every day. Um, and that's where the stuff that I can't deal with within two minutes goes. And then if I've read it and it doesn't need replying to, or nothing needs to happen, if it's just information I need to save, then I just throw that into an archive mm-hmm. um, and I don't, but I don't do that whole kind of librarian thing where I give a client a folder. I just chuck it all in and then search for it later if I need to. Yeah. I mean, I, a lot of people go to town and make folders for absolutely every client or whatever, but there's a reason that 
email clients have got search functionality. Just dump it somewhere and look it up. I tell you what really added to my stress levels this week was that, um, you know, while I've been, you know, supposedly having a day off, um, we've been working on some kind of design amends and the client wanted to use, uh, I think it's called Notable. Mm-hmm. One of these oh, things. Yeah, yeah I've, I've never used it before, but you know. It's from Zerve, I think, isn't it, that one? No idea. Anyway, all I know is that it bloody sends out about 25, 30 emails every time somebody leaves a comment, right? Because every time somebody adds a comment to it, it then emails that to whoever. Maybe there's a preference or something, I don't know. But my inbox was literally chock-solid full of these things. And I'm like, I don't need to know. You know, that's, that's, you know, somebody else is either dealing with that or, um, you know, I, I don't need to know. I, you know, it literally, when I'm ready, this is what, this is what I like to do. You know, when I'm ready to go and look at something, um, I'll go look at it. But, you know, you just throwing me something into an inbox is not going to improve my mood and my productivity. <laughs> and what it actually does is it makes you feel guilty. I want to go look at it in my own time when I'm ready. Yeah. I might get a notification and, there's nothing for me to see, but because someone's notified me about it, I always think, oh, well, I better go and have a look because, you know, someone's notified me for a reason. And you feel guilty if you don't, and, oh, I hate it. We use Notable at, um, we use Notable at Sky, but we also used things like, uh, Trello, Redmine, uh, our continuous integration server, Jenkins, that used to give us emails all the time. Um, every single thing that we used at Sky sent us email, and, you know, well over a hundred emails a day. It's just, it was just obscene the amount of email we used to get at Sky. Well, those guys still do. I don't have a job anymore, do I? No, no, you're 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 on the doll. Yeah. Um, but no, it's it's one of the reasons why I stopped using Basecamp years ago. Um, and I tried to avoid. Um, when I was working at Scottish TV, they used Basecamp a lot. Um, and in the end. I shouldn't really say this, should I? I I wrote a rule, an email rule that automatically just deleted any Basecamp email. So I don't care. I don't want to see it. You know, when I'm ready to go and look at Basecamp and you know digest all the things that have happened, then then I'll do that in my own time. You know, when I'm ready to to do it. That's the, the whole reason of having Basecamp is that you know where to go to find things. You don't want that in your email inbox. No, it's crazy. It's crazy. Yeah. And then the other thing is the other thing that drives me. Well, there's a few things that drive me nuts um, about email. Is well, first first of all, people that have conversations over email that end up um, it's like you know, shall I, when when should we meet? Let's meet at two o'clock. You know, okay, boom, and then sending you another one back. Um, yeah. Say, okay, well, I've added that to my calendar, and then you get one back that just goes, thanks. It's like, <laughs> no, it's, you know, email is not instant message for one thing. Yeah, just done. Right, Tuesday at two o'clock. Bye. Yeah, exactly. So that drives me nuts. And then the other thing is, um, people that CC you in on absolutely everything. Now, I mean, I, I was thinking about this on the way home because, um, you know, Sue, our designer, she copies me in on, on client conversations and, um, you know, and she does that right because, you know, I should be aware of, you know, conversations that are happening. Um, but I don't need to be aware of them. In every, you know, every time something happens, you know, when I'm driving along in the car, I don't want my phone kind of bonging, you know, oh, there's a new email, right? Um, people seem to think that, I'm not so she's really good, but, um, people seem to think that they're 
doing the right thing either by copying you in because you know you should know about it or I suppose in a business context, you know, inside Sky, people are copying in on millions of things. They're covering their asses, right? Yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. I, no, I told everybody that I was yeah. going to be off on holiday next week. <laughs> Everyone knew. Because I've, you know, because I've copied everybody in, right? Yeah. But that is, I mean, it just gets too much. The worst thing is as well, um, someone will say, uh, oh, I've copied Harry in so he knows. And that's fine for like maybe two sentences of that one email. But then when they carry on their thread and they keep chatting for the next three days and I'm still copied in on it, it's like I needed one sentence from one email one week ago. I'm still hearing conversations about you know, everything else. It should be really easy to opt out of CCs. Obviously yeah. you can't, but I, I, I love email. It got to the point at Sky actually where, um, because Sky send a lot of spam. Like <laughs> They email about their own products and services to the staff. Um, but with no unsubscribe link. So I'd be sat there working away and all of a sudden it pop up saying that there's a new series of Breaking Bad or whatever. Um, so I just generally started to ignore my email quite a lot uh, to the point where uh, I got a, a really good friend, Steve Melrose, um, one of the lead devs at Sky, would actually sort of get together email summaries for me and send me them like, Harry, you never check your email. Just here's what's coming up. And uh, I, I, I really was quite grateful for that. Well, this is so what I want. Ignore so much email. This is what I want. I mean, Sue does this now really well. I mean, I haven't mentioned it to her. I haven't kind of just grumbled. Um, she, she does this, uh, she does this, you know, completely independently is that I'll get an email at the end of the day. Um, just kind of letting me know that everything's okay. Um, that, you know, that, that, that the world hasn't stopped spinning and, you know, the, the three or four kind of important points that have happened that day. And if there's stuff that, you know, I need to look at, maybe there's some design work that, that needs, you know, some attention. Mm. Um, there's always a link to that where it is in Dropbox and stuff like that. It's brilliant. And that's what I want from these services. Oh, that's, do you know what? It's what I want from clients as well. We, we got into a point a few weeks ago. We were working on, on, uh, the, the tail end of a big job. Um, and, we would, I would literally get 20 or 30 emails every day with separate kind of bugs or information requests. Mm. Um, to the point where I said, listen, you know, I'm going to set up a Google doc. And, you know, if when you've got a, when you find a bug or, you, you know, you need an, uh, I, I set up two, you know, one for bugs, one for kind of just information questions. Yeah. You know, when you've got one of those, stick it in the Google doc, don't email it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Much nicer way of working. But there must be a better system, surely. Well, there should be. A lot of people say that email's broken. Um, I don't think email's broken at all. It exactly works exactly as it should. I just think people should use it. People should use it wrong. Like you're saying, people sending each bug report as they find them as an email. It's like, yeah, email's fine, but not for that. Sounds like using a Google Doc is a is a better process than email. Then the problem with that is. Um, yeah, we use uh, Redmine at Sky, or used Redmine at Sky. And, um, yeah, someone logs all these bugs, but it still generates an email every time. Or, um, you know, GitHub issues. If you open an issue on GitHub, every time someone comments on it, it emails you, and you have to, you have to unsubscribe from that. So even things that are meant to take things away from email still send you email all the time. I mean, I know we all get frustrated with, you know, just general spam. Um I get a lot of floor mat spam at the moment. This seems to be the, my favourite. Floor mat spam? Yeah, it's branded a, floor mats. It's not a euphemism, is it? No, no, there is a thing, right? <laughs> you get your logo on a floor mat because, you know, everybody wants to wipe their feet on your logo. 
that gives a right. Not a good message, is it? Do you know, that gives, gives exactly the wrong impression when somebody walks into your office and, uh, and there's a scabby logo floor mat. Welcome to Stuff and Nonsense. Walk exactly. all over us. Exactly. With a whole load of mud on there. It's not, it's not going to work at all. Anyway, get a lot of that kind of crap. But no, we all get, um, you know, that kind of, and it's just, you know, you just have to live with it. You know, you, you find ways of dealing with it. Um, but you know, the, the most frustrating, I don't get a lot of, of bad email, but when I do, it's bad. And this week particularly, because, um, everything forwards through to, um, my dot me, my Apple account. Right. Cause I've never figured out how to use Gmail on, you know, iOS, never figured it out. Mm-hmm. So everything just forwards to my dot me account. Um, and you know, to be honest, I don't get a lot of personal email cause I've got no, you know, I've got no friends. So, <laughs> it's very sad. <coughs> anyway, but no, but I, I, you know, most of my personal email comes from Alex, you know, and he's, he's got like a million ways of getting in touch with me. Yeah. And you know, often he just picks up the phone. So a lot of it, you know, most of it, all of it often is, is work related stuff. And, you know, because people have got stuff in their pockets now, going back to what you were saying earlier on, right? You know, you might think, ah, oh, blimey, it's nine o'clock at night. I've just cleared my entire inbox. I've replied to all this stuff. I suppose like me, people don't have any much sort of separation. So they're sitting on their couch at home and they, an email comes through from you at nine o'clock and they reply to it at nine 30. Mm. It's like, ah, oh, man, it's madness has got to stop. Yeah. Yeah. Somebody needs to set a precedent. Like, I'm not going to email you after nine o'clock. Do not email me. Well, what I've been thinking is uh, there's no point in me setting up, uh, like a, a work email. Well, I've got my work email address. There's no point in me having like a work in a private one. Cause I get bugger all private email. Hmm. And if I do, it's usually, you know, DMs or something, you know, that yeah. tends to be how I talk to friends. So there's no point in doing that. What I might start to do is I might start to um, just ignore email all day, to be honest. Yeah, I, I can't remember who it was. I saw a tweet. Someone said that they um, accidentally closed their email client down. And um, it wasn't until they thought, well, I haven't had any email in a while. They realized they'd, they'd closed Gmail or whatever they were using. And uh, they realised that that was a that was an option they had. They could just close their email and check it, you know, uh, at noon and then at five pm. You don't you don't need to be sort of have email flung at them all day. So I've considered doing that, just only checking email when I want to. Well, I've got into the habit recently because I've got my shiny new phone. Right, is I'll wake up in the morning and I'll what, reach. What colour is it again? It's it's the girly gold one. <laughs> you covered just... you covered the girly gold one. I have to admit, it didn't look as bad as I imagined. <laughs> um, what was I saying? Oh, yeah. So I get up and I like reach for the phone to check what time it is. And, you know, notifications are on the screen. So, you know, bum, I'm straight into email and it's like, you know, quarter to eight in the morning. Not a good thing to work up to. It really isn't, no. So I'll kind of deal with things in the morning and then I try not to deal with things throughout the day. Um, but I have got into the habit recently, although I, I said that I wouldn't of keeping it on most of the time. Um, and I need to stop that. So what I might do is I might do it, I might process at lunchtime. I might process in the morning. I might process at lunchtime. Um, and then I might reply after everybody else has gone home. Yes. Yeah. Because hopefully if I reply after 5.30... They won't reply until 10 the next day. Exactly. And then I won't... I won't get into this kind of, you know, email ping pong thing. Yeah, that's, that's probably worth thinking about. 
Unless, you know, unless I say to people, you know, listen, if the house is on fire, then, you know, there's plenty of other ways that you can get in touch, like phoning me. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Because people, um, people don't seem to, they, you know, they, they wouldn't, they might think twice about um, interrupting you with a phone call, but they don't think twice about interrupting you with an email. No, that's right. Yeah, maybe you should, uh, maybe you should have a, like an autoresponder between like, you know, nine and noon, which says, look, I'm not looking at email. You really need me. Give me a call. Don't think twice. Yeah. Do you know, in my, we were, we went for a walk yesterday because I was thinking about this yesterday. And while we were on the walk, I was thinking about what I could possibly put in my footer. Um, and I could, I thought I'd put something like, you know, if the house is on fire or if, if, if the, if the, if the thing's so important that it's like the house is on fire, then, you know, send me an email. Um, if it really isn't that important, you know, just like your budget, if it's not a matter of life and death, like, you know, your budgies died. Right. Too late by that point, isn't it? Nothing you can do to help. Exactly. And, you know, maybe it's a matter of life and death for the budget, I don't know. But, you know, don't email me. Yeah. That's inverted. Yeah, because everyone always says, if it's urgent, give me a call. Flip yeah. it on its head. Yeah. Because if it's, oh. yeah, exactly. Oh, I don't know. I've just, I've just, had, I've not had the week. Sound like a right grumpy old bastard, but I've not had the week that I really wanted to have. I'm not going to go into Monday feeling that I'm kind of completely recharged. Yeah, we said you wouldn't, though. It's always going to happen, isn't it? <sighs> yeah, I need to get better at managing email, though. I, I separate email into two things. I've got, um, well, no, maybe three things. I've got things that are just for me to read. So things like uh, someone's posted something on GitHub. I need to go and read that. I've got stuff that needs replying to as a matter of urgency, like clients. But then I've got another bucket of email, which is, uh, I get tons and tons of email, um, asking for advice. And, you know, I've got this problem with this. How would you fix this? Um, or can you give me some more advice about, uh, the BEM naming methodology or whatever? I get tons of email like that, which I really don't mind receiving, but I have to sort of deprioritize that. So I've got a, a bucket of about, I think, it's like 22 emails at the moment, people asking for advice that I need to get around to replying to. But that has to take a backseat to client stuff and I just need to find a better way of managing it, I think. Yeah, I need to think of something new as well. We should take on each other's email. Actually, could you do that? You're like, uh, email roulette. Yeah, that, like take on somebody's random email. That would be interesting. Wow, imagine that. People really struggle with it though. I mean, Sarah Parmenta, she's always talking about, you know, an inbox that's like overflowing. Mm. Um, yeah. I don't know. A lot of people, uh, you see some people and their iPhone says like a 1200 unread emails. I'm could... guessing, well, I, well, how does that happen? You must start panicking by the time it gets to 75. Well, just uh, like, just like me not being able to tolerate, you know, a hyphen in the middle of the word donuts, right? <laughs> I can't have that, that red little circle, that notification. I can't have that on anything. Yeah, I, I find I am governed by little red circles now. I'm looking at my phone now, and I've got... Ooh, that was a buzz. I've got two Twitter tweetbot notifications, which have now just vanished for some reason. Um, and I've got one on reminders, because it's reminding me to change the random email address that's on our website, which I do on the first of every month. Uh, um, and I have to, I won't be able to go to bed without clearing that because that's, otherwise it would drive me nuts. So how people can have 473 emails? Looking at my phone right now, I've got a 1, a 33, a 6, a 22, a 7, a 12, and a 14. 
I hate notifications. I'm obviously <laughs> terrible at handling them. Why don't well. you just turn them off then, and you, then you won't have the red things? Because if you're not gonna, if you're not gonna flip and do anything with them, you might as well turn them off. Then what? Well, I do, I do things with them. They just come in that thick and fast. Yeah, email's the worst one. Email's just the bane of my life. Every email I reply to seems to start with a, I'm really sorry for the delayed reply, but I've been trudging through email for the last six weeks. I feel really guilty every time I write that. Uh, have you got text expander? Oh, no. Um, remind me what this is, if I'm thinking about the same thing as you. Okay, so it's a little utility. It costs money, although you can keep using the free one, which I did for ages and ages and ages. Um, and then it'll just nag you after so many completions. Basically, you set up, um, you know, and I know you do this with kind of misspellings and stuff in your, uh, like your, uh, yeah, no, your phone settings, yeah. On your phone settings, right? It's, it's kind of similar to that. What you can do is you can set up, um, snippets and then keyboard shortcuts. So for example, I use that key, um, I'm looking at it now. It's underneath the escape key on the top left-hand side of the keyboard. Yeah. It's that yep. one with the section the, key. The squiggly. Is that what it is? A section key? That's the, uh, see, you're talking to the right guy. That's uh-huh. the section. Right, okay. No bloody clue what that is. I've never used it. Have you ever? Uh, no. No. So that's my, that's now my text expander key, right? So if I wanted to type in, for example, um, a, first response, which is usually in my, in my thing, right? It's, you know, hi, Harry, sorry for the delay and getting back to you. I've been dealing with 500 email, right? <laughs> I just hit the text expander key. Yeah. Type in the word first and then it expands that out onto the, into whatever I'm typing. Now that sounds like something I need. Um, and then I've got various, you can set it up with little variables as well. So actually there's a form input. So it's like hi, Harry, um, and then a load of stuff, and then it'll repeat that variable at the bottom. So, so I'll see you next week, Harry, for you know a pint of John Smith's. Very nice, really, yeah. really useful. And what I've done, talk about typography, is um, you know the uh, HTML entities for uh, things like curly quotes, so and hash eight two one seven semicolon whatever that is, right? Um, that's for a single left facing curly quote. quote. Yep. Yeah. So what I do, you know, the Mac keystrokes for that, uh, is it out, alt shift, shift and square out, bracket. shift and square bracket, right? So what I do is I hit my text expander key, then I use the keystroke for that character, and then it automatically changes to be my and hash eight two one seven. Not bad. So I can, I can, uh, quickly you know bash it when i'm writing a blog post and i want i want a, a proper apostrophe or an m dash or an n dash or something like that i can just use the text expander key and then whatever that entity is and it automatically gives me the uh the value nifty yeah you i probably have to buy that expander. yeah sounds like i should uh, brilliant for email yeah well like so my email starts with the same sentence apologies for the delayed reply which is no good yeah no. Anyway, we should wrap this up. Yeah, it's knocking on, isn't it? You got any plans for the weekend? Um, I'm going to try and have some time off. <laughs> <laughs> Just like you did last week. Exactly. No, that's my plan. Anyway, we should wrap it up. Um, thanks for, thanks for tonight. I appreciate that. No, no, thank you. It's been good speaking again. You can find 
the links to anything that we mentioned in our show notes. You'll find those at unfinished.bz slash 43. Um, you can follow Harry on Twitter at CSS Wizardry uh, rather than send him lots of email. <laughs> Wouldn't be good. Yeah, um, please don't do that. Or me at Malarkey. And to ask us questions, suggest topics, you can message the show on Twitter at unfinishedbz or you can email me. Yes, email he has at unfinished.bz. Thanks again to our sponsor this week, Ghost Lab, synchronized cross-browser and mobile testing taken to the next level with their fabulous new device lab. And, of course, come to our workshops because they're going to be ace. They're going to be so good.